This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, we're recording this, obviously, on a Monday, T.J., and as it sits right now, the draft is 17 days away Lions have the number two overall pick. Everybody's excited about what they're going to do at number two, at 32, at 34, because that excitement is has been generated because of what Brad Holmes and this you know administration was able to do last year. So I'm going to give you and our listeners just a little a reminder of the draft picks that we had. Um, everybody remembers pick number, first round, pick number seven overall, uh, Penny Sewell. Uh, pick number two uh, in the second round, number 41 overall, Levi Onzerike, followed by Aleem McNeil in the third round. Also in the third round, cornerback Ifatu Melifonwenu. Uh, number four, which everybody has talked about um, in round number four, Amon Ross St. Brown. Derek Barnes also in the fourth round, a linebacker out of Purdue. Uh, and Jamar Jefferson, running back. Uh, they acquired in the seventh round, pick number 30, almost uh, almost at the very end of the draft. Um, not quite Mr. Irrelevant, but um, ha- did have a few moments during this season. When I go through that list, Brad Holmes was able to hit on a number of those players, and we didn't even address the ones that he signed as undrafted free agents that were contributors on last year's team. But the one blemish on that record... Um, in just one year of drafting for Brad Holmes was Levi Onzerike. And you know what? He The expectations coming in was that he was going to be able to produce. He was outperformed by Aleem McNeil, uh, same position, um, one round later. But what did you see from what you can remember 
about Aleem McNeil and his performance last year? Well, I think he probably did everything that he was supposed to do as a rookie. Um, he wasn't going to be a pass-rushing phenom, right. you know. Uh, just his stature kind of built more towards that uh, defensive, ta- you know, nose tackle position. Um, but he he did a nice job in the middle of that defense, just yeah. eating up blocks. You know what I mean? And there was a couple even plays late in the season. I think in Atlanta, kind of stuck out. Maybe a play in uh, Minnesota that they won stuck out. Him kind of getting to the quarterback too. That was like, okay, that's a little bonus. That's a cherry on top. <laughs> this type of player, uh, you know, you're you're in there. You're you're occupying the guard. You're occupying the center. And uh, you're trying to eat up the middle of that defense in the run game. So I, I thought, look, I, for for a lean, I don't think it was anything spectacular. But I thought it was a good first year, something to build off of. And you could see the potential that he has. I think he came in day one and uh, impressed the coaches, impressed the, uh, you know, the, the offensive uh, linemen, talked a lot about him in training camp and how strong he was and sturdy he was. Um, but he's also, you know, he's still in that category, guys. You'd like to see make that second step. But for Aleem, I think he came in and he kind of proved that, you know, he could, he, he was a day one starter on that defensive line. So um, he was a hit. I know people obviously talk about Penney and, yep. and Amon Ross St. Brown a little bit more, but Ali McNeil was, uh, for being a third round pick, you know, he probably outperformed um, expectations, at least in the first year. You still want to see him take that second step, but uh, Levi is going to be a same the, the guy that's going to be in the same category, right? Now we talk about Levi and maybe disappointing rookie season. Um, got off to a slow start last yeah. year. Remember, he was injured a lot in the preseason, didn't play at all in the preseason games, kind of had trouble finding his way into that rotation with Michael Brockers and Nick Williams and even Ali McNeil. And um, so Aleem's, or not, not Aleem, but uh, Levi's going to be a guy. I think when you talk about that draft class alone, that's going to be, he's going to be the guy that's probably has the most to prove in year two. Yeah, he will be. And uh, Dan Campbell was asked over the weekend, um, you know, some general uh, questions about the draft, um, as he's going to be asked all the way up until um, the draft actually happens. And he took one of the answers in kind of a different direction. He started talking about Levi Onzerike and what he's been doing this offseason. He's back in Detroit. He's back working out in Allen Park. How much can you take um, or can you look to for what a guy does in the offseason between years one and years two? Now, the one thing that we don't get a chance to see is What's he doing in the film room? Like, how much is he studying what he did, what other players are doing, what he needs to continue to do to improve, um, you know, and trying to, to add different tools to his tool chest. But what can you take from a guy that has, you know, from what Dan Campbell is saying, transformed his body a little bit into a, a better pro? And I'm saying pro by using the, uh, the quotation marks with my hands on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice well, visual. I think, look, you don't want to celebrate the fact that guys are working out in the offseason, right? That's what you're supposed to be doing. But when it comes to a second-year player, a guy that just finished his rookie year, uh, I think it shows you the discipline, right? I think it shows you that, hey, Levi, maybe he understood that coming in as a second-round pick, a high second-round pick, expectations were probably higher for him. So for him to stick around the building in the offseason and work out and be there, um, it's not – you don't do it to kiss ass to show the coaches that, hey, I'm hanging around, I'm working. You do it because you really want to get better. Now, I think it's – you do have to be 
proud when it's a young player like that that's taking care of business because there's so many players and look I fit into this category as well 12 years ago after my rookie season you got a little taste of success you got some money in the bank account you got yeah. some, you know you got some more friends you got yeah. some more options of hey let's go do this let's yeah. go out let's here let's go vacation. to Vegas for a weekend yeah. let's go do this right because you, you just came off of uh, 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 your first NFL season with some money in your pocket and, and you like to do those type of things I was certainly that type of guy um, but for the fact that uh, Levi be going into a second year, um, hanging around the facility, doing the from what it sounds like, doing everything possible to make sure that he puts himself in the best position to take that step in year two. Um, that's something from the character perspective that you love to see because you, that's just what you want. You want to see guys doing the right things, doing it the right way, and really fully committing themselves. So um, I think that that's important. I, I think with Levi sticking around here and um, Probably from his own mindset, thinking, you know, I've got I've got a lot more to prove in this organization and for this team going into year two. I think is uh, it says a lot about uh, the type of uh, character he is and the type of player he wants to be. Now, when it's all said and done, you still got to produce on the football field, right? You see it every year. Yeah. This is the time of year where teams start uh, bringing the guys back in for the first couple weeks and the weight room program and the conditioning and the stories always come out. Hey, this guy's in the best shape of his life, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right? I don't care. I want to see the guy produce more on the football field. So he's certainly going to fall into that category as well. Um, but, as, but as far as doing the right things the right way. I, I think that's a, that's a, that's a really nice step to, to hear that Levi has been sticking around and, uh, you know, making himself known around the facility that, Hey, I, I know I didn't have a great first year. I'm here to work. I'm here to get better and, and hopefully get better in year two. Yeah. And the, the only thing I want to see from him is, and I think it will be, it will pay off in production is that you see better pursuit better effort on every single play. It seemed like there were times where if he, if in his mind, if he made that decision that he wanted to, you know, hold the gap or if he wanted to penetrate that he could. Yeah. And you just, there were times where it felt like he was just holding space and Biden his time. And maybe he was picking his, his, his points, but I would just like to see it on a more regular basis. Yeah. Now, um, going from rookie season to your second year, there's we, and we talk a lot about hey getting ready for the combine and then your pro day and you have these you know visits to you know different you know franchises all leading up to the draft and then you go right from the draft to minicamp OTAs. I mean, going from your your whatever your last year of college was to your rookie season, it is nonstop from you know from A to B. Yeah. It's just, it's always something. And you mentioned it. Hey, now after year one, you got a little money in your pocket. You've got some time on your hands. You don't have to worry about going to class. You don't have to worry about training for the combine or doing any of that stuff. I, can you remember back? What was that first off season like for you? Did you, <laughs> did you just take, Hey, the month of, well, you guys were probably playing in January. Yeah. Um, did you, whatever that first month off was, what was, did you just, completely take it off from football um yeah I kind of hinted at it I, I thought after my first year I definitely didn't do what I needed to do to come in year two and at least compete for a starting role yeah and my mindset you know unfortunately back then was just kind of that that wave right we're like we brought back all of our starters on the offensive line in year two I knew I probably wasn't gonna 
crack the lineup. So my mindset was just kind of like, hey, let's work out a little bit, come in, and I'll get in shape when I get to Green Bay, you know? Yeah. And then you find out real quick that that's not really the best way to go about it. So, um, but yeah, the, for me, like you said, I mean, and I, I even said it, you know, after my first year was the first time where, um, you know, I had some money in my pocket. You know, I had a little bit of, a uh, little bit of fame. You know, being an NFL player, and I wanted to. Uh, and I was still a young player. You know, I was 22 years old, and I still wanted to have a little bit of fun. And yeah, I had way too much fun though. You know, <laughs> it wasn't honestly. It wasn't for me until after year two that I just had a major wake up call. It was like I can't. You know, if I don't go in and win a starting spot year three this might not be a job for me. I might be gone, you know, and that's really, for me, it, it took a little bit longer, but, um, after year one, yeah, I, you know, maybe if I took it a little bit more serious back then and, and, and trained harder and all those things, yeah, maybe year two could have been a little better, but, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad I figured it out before it yeah. kind of hit, you know, bit me in the ass. Um, I'll say that, but no, I think, and, and look, you can't blame a lot of these guys, you know, a lot of these guys, like you said, it's the first time after football where, you don't have anything to do. You don't have to go to class, right? You don't have to go on campus and you don't have mandatory workouts, you know, at the facility in college. You, you, you're basically just on your own. It's the first time really that your discipline has to show up because it's the first time you have a two or three month, month uh, stretch where you're not on a schedule. You don't have to be at meetings at X time. You don't have to be at the weight room at, at you know, 7 a.m. You get to do all that on your own. And a lot of guys, you have to figure that out really quick. You got to figure out how to time management uh, your own schedule to where you can uh, maybe split it, right? Have a little bit of fun, but also take care of business. Um, that's not that hard to do, but... Um, yeah, I think, look, for me, I, it was, John, I'm telling you, I mean, we were doing like, I was living with my buddies back in college, like yeah. partying, you know, because I was the man on campus, just played my first nap. And it was just, yeah. I'm telling you, like, looking back on it, you're kind of embarrassed about it. You're like, Jesus Christ, like, how did I survive? Like, I came back to Green Bay in year two, and I just remember people looking at me like, I gained a little weight, huh? And I'm like, oh boy, I got, <laughs> I got some work to do. <laughs> I had a little bit of fun this offseason. But that was back when, uh, that was back before the new CBA where, you know, we played Gosh, I think my rookie year we made it to the we lost in the wild card round to the Cardinals. And but that was like, you know, the second week of January. So we only had maybe six, seven weeks off because back then you used to report a month earlier. You mm -hmm. remember when you were playing, we used to report like March tenth. Oh yeah. So you didn't really have much of an off season anyways. If I had an extra month on me, I probably would have been cut <laughs> by the time I got back to Green Bay. <laughs> it was that a, good. But eh? another four weeks of yeah. partying and drink. I don't know if I I don't know if they would have kept me around there. So it's probably a good thing I went back in March. But now the players get an extra month, you get an extra four or five weeks, whatever it is, and um but I think just going back to it, when you talk about the young player, veteran players, look, you know, you can't just do nothing in the offseason. You right. have to be able to take care of your body. If you're an older player, maybe you're not hitting the weights as hard as you used to, but you're still doing the little things to take care of your body. Older players and veterans, you, you don't play a long time in this league without doing that. And I know a couple guys that used to, you know, we used to have uh, this big D tackle, Ryan Pickett. And Ryan Pickett was an awesome player. He was an awesome person. But the 
first day of training camp was like the same for him every single year. It was like, hey, Pick, how was your offseason? No, it was good, man. Vacation. Hey, you in shape? No, that's what's training camp for. I'm going to get right. in shape during training camp. But he was one of those like unicorn players that could do that and still be a really good player. For me or anybody else, it's like, no, nah, you show up out of shape. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're gone. You might be getting that call to bring the iPad up, bring the playbook <laughs> up to the third floor. But yeah, just to see Levi look, I mean, getting back to it, I know I've been talking about it for a while now, but. It's good to see uh, a first-year player with that type of discipline that knows, that's hungry, that knows that, hey, first season, probably not where I wanted to be. Got to take a big big leap because you hear coaches, it doesn't matter if it's Dan Campbell, my coach, Mike McCarthy, used to preach on it every single year. The biggest jump you see in players is from year one to year two. I don't know if that's true. But coaches tend to believe it. And if you're a second-year player, you're coming in, that's what's expected out of you. You're not a rookie anymore. So for Levi, for these other young players, how great the first season was, maybe how poor the first season was, you're still expected to take that step in year two. Yeah, and just to, you know, I I know that – the era that I played in, um, and we are reaching that that time where we have to start talking about different eras, um, we reported in late July – for training camp. Uh, and in fact, it might have been like mid-July. And it, a Did lot of... Did you not have OTAs or anything? Oh, we had OTAs. Yeah. Um, we had OTAs. We had mini camp the, the weekend after the draft, which I think right. they still do. And then it was OTAs for four or five weeks. We right. only had like a week or two off. And then we reported to training Back camp. Back to camp, yeah. Um, so that's it, where that big break is now is, you know, most teams you report April and then you're done maybe the first, second week of June and then you have six, seven weeks off. Right, right? because they only report like a week before right. the first preseason game. Yeah. So there's not that time in training camp to get in shape. Right. Whereas before, there, you know, you didn't have to stay in as good of shape because you did go to training camp. And you had you know two three weeks before you even played a preseason game to fine tune um, you know some of the uh, conditioning aspects of your game, uh, but it's so much different now because as soon as you get there, you don't have the two days anymore. You don't have the, the the grueling you know three hour practices. You know, take a nap and then go back out there. Back in my day, right? Yeah, that's that's why I say we're approaching the whole era uh, of you know because it's so different and and I think there's a big benefit for it, especially for veteran players. And you mentioned you know a guy like Levi who is taking this off season with a very veteran approach to where he is going to make sure that he he works on some of those you know skills that he needs. Um, you know, to, to be successful at the NFL level, yeah. but also to make sure that he continues to get stronger, get faster, get quicker, get leaner, but not lose any of his mass, yeah. just translate some of that, you know, transfer some of that body fat into, you know, muscle mass. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that's where I, where I was going with that. Yeah. And the last thing on Levi that I'll say is, you know, you watch him last year and he, he stuck out a couple times where you're like, gosh, he's just got some raw power. The one right. thing with him was the... The fundamentals, right? There was way too many plays where he's just standing straight up off the ball and he's kind of peeking in the backfield and he's not really, you could just tell how raw he was fundamentally. And I think a lot of that goes back to missing so much time in training camp, right? And with a lot of these first year players that come in as rookies, look, all these guys were used to being dominant on the college level. Right, they could get away with, and he didn't play in twenty twenty. Right, but they could get away with bad technique and still be an absolute animal in college football. You know, you you have to learn really quick in the NFL. 
okay, I'm not going to outmuscle anybody on this field, right? That was the biggest leap I had to take, at least. I'm not going to throw any of these. These aren't Mac defensive lands or defensive tackles right. I'm going against anymore. So for Levi, he kind of had to learn that through game experience rather than, you know, the offseason and the preseason and the training camp because he was battling those injuries. If he, if he, if he kind of shores up that technique and the fundamentals and getting back to, uh, you know, those, those highlight-type plays we saw him uh, make at Washington where he's bursting off the ball and getting in the backfield and, and has low pads and, and good hands and physical strong hands, um, that's something that's going to take him a long way as well. Now, TJ, one of the things, you know, as we continue to see all these mock drafts that come out, that I've started to see is a quarterback mocked to the Lions at 32. And early on, we saw some Sam Howell. Um, I don't think Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett last that long, even though I don't think they're first-round picks. Um, maybe, you know, um, Kenny Pickett more than Malik Willis, but somebody's going to fall in love with one of those guys, and I think they're going to be gone. Desmond Ritter. Um, has been one of those guys that has you know crept into the first round conversation in the latter part of the first round, and whether the I don't think the Lions should take a quarterback in the first round. I don't think that they should be in the market for a quarterback at all in this draft because they have so many needs on defense, and they they have a great opportunity to add to the receiver room as well. If they do take a quarterback. What does it take for a rookie quarterback to come in and make an impression? If they were to go quarterback at two, and it would be one of two guys, Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, what are the expectations that you would have for one of those guys this year? Probably nothing this year because, I mean, you're not going to do anything with Jared Goff. And I genuinely believe um, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and Rod Wood when they talk about believing in Jared Goff. I, I really think that they think Jared can be, you know, a long-term guy at, at this position here in Detroit. And you even hear, you know, Coach Campbell talking about some comments of, uh, I think he was asked, hey, do, do you think teams need, uh, you know, an elite quarterback to win in today's NFL? And he said no. And I tend to believe him and, and agree with him. Um you need a league quarterback if you want to be a perennial championship type team, but uh, to be a really good team, no. I mean, Jared Goff proved a couple of years ago he, he took a, a good team to the Super Bowl, right, and, and almost won the damn thing. Yeah, I mean, Mitch Trubisky took the Bears to the playoffs a couple of times, right? They were yeah. a pretty good team. Um, so I I just think that they they genuinely believe that they think Jared Goff can be. Um, you know, a long-term solution at the quarterback spot. Now, there could be some debate on that. I mean, Jared Goff certainly isn't in the upper echelon of players when you talk about, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, right. but is he good enough to win you games? I think he is, and I think, look, I think he, he took a step in the second half of last season, um, but he's a guy that's going to need help. Um, so if you bring in a rookie quarterback, um that kind of well, I guess that's that would tell us if they really believe in Jared Goff right. or not. Well, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm just saying if they do happen to go that route at at 32 or 34 or whatever they you know whatever you do, um, the guy wouldn't be a, a day one starter. You know, I, I don't yeah. think he would be a day one starter unless he came in and was clearly heads and shoulders better than uh, Jared Goff, which is probably unlikely. Um, so, look. Anytime you bring a rookie quarterback in where you already have like an established quarterback in your system 
And I know Jared Goff. You, you, you don't talk. I'm not saying he's elite by any means, but he's the starter. He's the starting quarterback in Detroit. Yeah. Um, that could kind of go one of two ways, right? It could kind of either tell the team, you know, hey, maybe they don't believe in Jared Goff like they said, or and it could also create a little bit of maybe animosity in the locker room. <laughs> yeah. You don't know because you're you're you just picked a guy to replace the guy that you said you, is your guy type thing. So it's kind of weird there, but um look, if you're a rookie quarterback and you come in and you 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 play, you know, you you prove that you can play day 1, that means you have to be a lot better than the starter. And right. Players know. I mean, look, if they do take, let's just say they take Corral at 32 and he comes in and OTAs in training camp and he's absolutely lighting it up. I mean, players are going to know that. You know, right. the receivers are going to know that. The offensive line is going to know that. And then you <laughs> kind of have a good problem on your hands trying to decide what to do at that position. But I just think, like you said, I mean, it doesn't make much sense because they're not – it doesn't. It doesn't feel like they're a quarterback away, right, from being a good team. There's just so many more needs. The that offense you have. could be a quarterback away from being co- a dominant offense. Could be, yeah. I mean, it could be, but you know, what type of offense are we trying to run here in Detroit? What type of offense is Dan Campbell trying to run? He wants to run the ball forty times. I don't think if you bring in an elite quarterback, that's really going to change. I think he still wants to to uh, follow that system of, hey, we're going to pound you into oblivion on the ground, and then we're going to make some splash plays over the top, right? I don't think you need to have a Patrick Mahomes-type guy in there to be able to do that offensively. So that's why you look at uh, – that's why we talked about a couple weeks ago maybe trying to go after a receiver, maybe trying to trade back up into the top 20, top 15 and get one of those really good receivers because that will help you more, in my mind, to kind of speed up that rebuild a little bit to win games and be better offensively than it will to maybe take one of those picks and try to develop a quarterback that's probably not going to play for a couple years. So, I don't know. I mean, it's not impossible, I would say. Um, Just a couple weeks ago, I mean, you know, it was a Malik Willis frenzy at number two about how the Lions loved him and everybody started mocking him at number two. I don't think that's going to happen just because you're so many pieces away. I think this is still where you have three really, really good lottery tickets when you talk about 2, 32, and 34. Uh, 2, obviously, you expect a day one starter. 32, you probably expect a day one starter. And 34, you probably expect somebody that's going to uh, at least contribute a lot in year one. And if you take one of those and you put it on a rebuild-type player, um, I don't know. It just kind of goes against the philosophy of bringing in young players and, and building them up. Because when you talk about quarterback, you already have a young quarterback in Jared Goff. But I don't know. I've talked myself into crazier things. So, <laughs> right here, too. <laughs> as soon as you say that, yeah. I mean, then you can make an argument for, hey, if you do take a guy at 32 or 34, right, maybe by the time you build up the rest of the roster and in two he's years, ready to maybe go. he's ready to go and win you games. I don't know what's going to happen. It would just surprise me because I really think deep down that they believe that they can win with Jared Goff, and they yeah. believe that they can win with him as a long-term manager at quarterback. So I'm going to give for those that are, you know, in the camp of we need to take a quarterback at number two, no matter who it is, you're not going to like what I'm going to have to say. For those that don't want a quarterback, you, you'll you like this. As, as we try and read the tea leaves and try and figure out where the Lions are going last week, and you kind of mentioned this. Uh, TJ, where Dan Campbell said, you know, the only requirement for 
somebody that you're going to draft at number two overall, and he was re- referenced from this draft, is they've got to be a day one starter. Yeah. And I don't impact think there's player, an yeah. impact player. And there's if you draft a quarterback at two, of this class, none of those guys are going to be impact players or day one starters. And then a Hugh Freeze, who was Liberty's head coach, um, was asked on the Rich Eisen show, you know, what what teams have had the most conversation with you? Who's really interested in talking about Malik Willis, mm-hmm. um, who was their quarterback last year? And he gave six teams. Um, and I'll give you just one of the quotes that he had. He said, I know the teams that have spent an enormous amount of time visiting with me, whether it's Carolina or Pittsburgh or Atlanta, um, all of those have spent Seahawks a lot of time with us, but it's hard for me to keep up. And so there's four teams. The other two teams that he did mention eventually was the Washington Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are only six teams that he mentioned. Now, it doesn't mean that all 32 teams have an acquire, you know, right. inquired about Malik it's Willis. the most interest. Yeah. The most interest. And you would think if the Lions were going to be – you know, drafting a quarterback number two overall, they would be talking to Hugh Freeze ad nauseum. Yeah, you would uh, think so. Uh, quite a bit. <laughs> now, I know that he was their quarterback at the Senior Bowl, so they did get firsthand knowledge of right. watching him process their playbook, get a chance to evaluate him firsthand, but you want to continue to dig a little deeper. Does that give you, or at least give you some relief? If you're not in the camp of, hey, Malik Willis at number two, does it give you relief that they're going to go a different direction? Yeah, it does. And, you know, this is also a time of year where you have to uh, kind of be careful what you believe and what you read because there's so many goddamn smoke screens that go up. <laughs> I mean, whether it's, you know, the Lions sending, you know, the whole brass out to watch Kayvon Thibodeau, that could be a smoke screen. You yeah. just don't, you don't know. You don't know if they're genuinely interested in taking him at number two. But, yeah, I think, look, it, it would be foolish to take a quarterback at two. I just think with, and look, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, those guys can end up being really good uh, NFL quarterbacks one day. I just don't think that what you're trying to do here in Detroit matches taking one of those guys because they're not going to be a day one starter. None of them. I mean, just from everything you read, it would be the most surprising thing in this draft would be one of these quarterbacks being a day one starter that plays like Justin Herbert or plays like, you know, Mac Jones and just has a tremendous season because everything you read just kind of points to, hey, there's no clear cut number one. And these guys are they might they're probably going to take some time, need some time to develop into NFL quarterbacks. So, um, yeah, it does give me a little bit more. Uh, hope that you know the Lions don't go that route at number two. I don't. I don't think they will, anyways. Um, or, or probably even thinking about it. You have to do your homework on every single player, certainly. But no, the, the, the you have to look at the biggest holes on this team as it lies. You have number two pick. It's got to be a day one starter. You don't have the luxury of being San Francisco last year where you have the third pick with a loaded roster and you can take anything and just spin the wheel and any mini miny mo and hey, we'll bring him in and, you know, be an NFC championship type team. You don't have that luxury. So, no, uh, it, it can't be a quarterback at number two. Number 32 or 34, I, I don't know if I would be upset I probably wouldn't be happy just because you're, there's going to be so many other premier players still available that, that can be day one impact players. Um, but at number two, yes, I can confidently say yeah. I'm confident that it will not be a quarterback. Well, I would be upset at 32 or 34 if it was a quarterback because that tells me that you're drafting a guy for 
you know, for the future. So if you continue this building process and in three years you're ready to make a push, now that quarterback that you took at 32 or 34 may be ready at that point. Right. But with so many holes on defense, I just don't believe that you should draft a quarterback in the first round or even the start of the second round that's going to be your backup for three years. Yeah. You don't draft a number two quarterback in the first round or early in the second. Yeah, I wouldn't like it. Yeah. Unless they got it right, <laughs> right. Uh, unless yeah. you take, unless yeah. you take Matt Corral, and, and all of a sudden, 2023, Matt Corral's out there lighting it up. I wouldn't right. be upset about that, but <laughs> it just seems like a stretch because you, everything you, you read. And look, I'm not, I'm no, you know, genius quarterback scout, but you put start putting the pieces together, and everything just kind of fits. That hey, we don't really know what any of these quarterbacks going to be. They've all got some strengths, but they've all, they've all got a lot of weaknesses too. So I don't know if you just if there's any quarterback that's really worth kind of rolling the dice on this year if you're a team like the Lions where you have so many needs. If you're a team um, that, hey, maybe you are just a quarterback away, maybe you're uh, Seattle and you feel like you're close, or maybe Atlanta you feel like you're close and you take a run at one of those guys, who knows? Maybe he can get you over the hump. But if you're the Detroit Lions and you need so many other pieces, yeah. I think it would be foolish to spend one of those on a project-type player. Now, project-type player meaning – quarterback that's not going to play for two or three years if they take a run at david ajabo or right. uh you know the gosh dang the receiver from alabama who blew out his acl those are you can consider i guess maybe project players because they're coming off pretty significant injuries um but developmental players quarterbacks guys that aren't going to play for two three maybe four years I just don't think you really have the luxury of doing that. There's you can you can make such a bigger impact and get so much closer to winning now by taking a player that's going to come in at 32 at 34 and compete right away and be a really productive player for you day one. Well, on next week's podcast, I'm going to offer up a pick that I think both you and I would like the pick but may not agree with because it's a strength already. And it would add to a strength, uh, but we'll talk about that next week. It's not You're an listen- offensive lineman, is Stop it? Stop it. Don't do it. <laughs> okay, let's get into no, it. Don't do it. Save it for next week. Don't do it. All right. Save it. We'll talk to we'll talk about a possibility okay. at number two overall <sighs> next week oh on Necessary Roughness. <laughs>